Praise the Lord. Good to see you all here this morning. Good to see those of you online today. God bless you. Uh, I want to take a minute to pray for a few people uh, in particular. Our brother James Carter is uh, homesick today, so thank you guys for filling in back there. Lee and, and Steve, thank you so much. And Danica as well. Um, so I want to pray for James. I want to pray for Billy Kitteridge that's still in the hospital and for Maria Kinsev that needs our prayer, still in rehab. So join me in prayer if you would. Father God, in the name of Jesus. Lord, it's good to be in the house of the Lord. It is so good. Thank you, Lord, that this is available for us. Thank you for those that are joining by live stream. But Father, we do want to pray for those that are sick today, physically sick. James Carter, Lord, heal his body in the name of Jesus. We pray for Billy Kitteridge down in Boston Medical Center. Lord, continue to heal him from the stroke and pneumonia and all the complications. Lord, thank you for the progress. But Lord, we pray that he would get up, up here to a rehab hospital really soon in the name of Jesus. We pray, Lord, for Maria Kinsev today. Continued healing and blessing and direction and guidance in her life as she's still in that rehab hospital. Father, I want to pray for my mom down in New York as well. Continued healing and strength for her in the name of Jesus. Father, I want to pray for anyone that's going through some emotional, uh, maybe some temptations in their lives or maybe some uh, emotional duress in their lives. We pray, Lord, for your peace to flood our souls. Again, Lord, we want to pray for unsaved loved ones that, that we care about so deeply, yet they're so resistant to the things of God. We pray, Lord, that you would break down those walls. Father, we also pray that you would heal wounds within the body of Christ among people, that you would heal the wounds uh, within family members as well. Let there be a, a sense of unity and togetherness in our families and in our churches. So, Lord, we call upon your name to do it for your glory and for your honor today. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Well, we're in uh, Philippians chapter 3 today. Now, someone told me I need to give you all time to turn to the passage. So I'm going to give you plenty of time today. Philippians chapter 3, starting at verse number 17. Now, I'm going to go take a nap. I'll be right back. No, only kidding. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I think sometimes I'm on, uh, you know, I'm on, I'm on fast mode or something. But anyway, so Philippians 3, and uh, starting at verse number 17. Uh, if you've been following us, uh, you can stand. We're going to stand as we uh, read the word today. Thank you for that, Catherine. Um, we're going verse by verse through the book of Philippians. Uh, oh, it's a challenge but it's, uh, it's something worthwhile that we're going to do. Uh, let me, let me um, okay, let, let's read this, and then we're going to pray, and then I have one more thing to do before we get into the Word. Okay, Philippians three seventeen. Brethren, join in following my example. I just wonder, can anybody say that? Join in following my example, and note those who so walk as you have us as a pattern. For many walk, of whom I have told you often, and now tell you, even weeping, that they are the enemies of the cross of Christ, whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly, whose glory is their shame, who set their mind on earthly things. For our citizenship is in heaven, from which we also eagerly wait for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body. Everyone say lowly body. Our lowly body. That it may be conformed to his glorious body according to the working by which he is able even to subdue all things to himself. Father, thank you for your word. Bless this sermon. Bless our time as we dissect and think about it and go through it. But Lord, may your Holy Spirit just drop truth bombs into our heart today that would change our lives and make us, make us see more clearly the path that you want us to be on. So come, Lord, do your work through your word today. Be glorified in it and let the church be edified because of it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. You may be seated. Before we, I start preaching, I just wanted to recognize one of our 
our high school students. Josh, why don't you come up here real quick? This is Josh Coderre, and uh, he's the son of Marlene over there. God bless you. God bless you too. And uh, you graduated from Essex Tech, Essex Tech in, uh, Danvers. in Danvers, Mass. And you are going to? Uh, Northern Essex Community College. Uh, I'm, very good. <clears throat> we have this for you. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. I'm not done yet. <laughs> I wonder, can, can you remember, uh, those of you that went off to either vocational school or college, the feeling after high school, like, wow, this is some brave new adventure we're going, or maybe like a, like a vocational situation where you had to go to a new area. This is where he's at. And uh, fortunately, you'll be living at home still, mm-hmm. so we'll still see you. And, uh, but Marlene, we'll be praying for you as well as you, your family goes through this transition. So let's pray for our brother one, one more time, can we? Father, thank you for Josh. Thank you, Lord. He's blessed our teen group these many months now. And uh, we pray, Lord, your blessing over him. Thank you that he graduated high school. Thank you that he had the, the uh, ambition and the, the, the opportunity to go to college. Bless him, Lord, as he goes to Northern Essex and, and prepare his way. Lord, let him learn the things that he needs to learn to be equipped to be the man of God you want him to be when he gets a little bit older and settles into his routine of life. Let him find his niche, oh God. But let these years be good years for him. And may he not wander from the faith. Keep him close to the faith and close to his family. We thank you and we praise you for it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much. All right. God bless you. Thank you. Hallelujah. All right, now I could start preaching. So, Philippians 3, verse 17. Uh, We're finishing up the chapter, chapter 3 today. Uh, Last week the sermon was entitled, Press On, verses 10 through 16. The week before that was Confidence in Christ Alone, which was the first part, verses 1 through 9. Today we're going to get into some theology and some doctrine of the New Testament church. I've entitled the message today, Citizens of Heaven. And uh, forgive us for not having any graphics on the screen today, but uh, when our brother James is out, that's what happens. So haven't haven't crossed that bridge yet how to do it. But I'll try to be as clear as I can so that you could follow me. Everyone say amen right there. (laughs) Pray for me then, okay? That I'll be clear. Pray for me that I'll be crystal clear. In Philippians 3, we see Paul's life exposed. If you haven't been here, uh, just quickly, uh, verses... uh, Five, six, and seven. He's just talking about all the all the uh, all the accolades in his life, his religious accomplishments. He was very Jewish and very proud of it. He was recognized, and he gave all he gave up all these things that he might follow Christ. He gave them up mentally, emotionally, practically. You know, in literal sense, he gave up some things, but he gave them all up in verse number eight that he might gain Christ. And in verse number 10, we read, He gave them all up that he might know Christ and know the power of his resurrection and know the fellowship of his sufferings. We preached about that last week, and, and that's a very powerful uh, statement to make. And, uh, and now in verse, uh, in verse 16, um, well, I'm sorry. Um, yeah, verse 16, uh, he concludes the thought, let's see, where am I? That, that wherever you are in life, wherever you are in your faith, Let's bind our hearts together. Let's run this race with endurance. Let's set our mind on the things that are important. And let's have, a, let's have patience and fervor and be of the same mind as we go forward in Christ. So he's saying a lot already. I mean, I just said a lot right there, come to think of it. But he's saying, I gave up everything that I might follow Christ. And now he's telling everybody else, now you, no matter where you are in life, you may not be where I am, that's what he's saying. Maybe you're, not a, maybe you're not a Christian for a long time, you don't know a lot, but wherever you are, just let's get together and go forward. That's a good word for the church, isn't it? We're all in different places, spiritually, emotionally, maturity-wise, whatever. But let's just go forward in the things of God. But... Uh, he, uh, he, he, he talks about this because of a, of a certain reason in the church. The reason in the church was there was a problem in the church. Everyone say problem. There's a problem. We don't have to say it like I just said it. We just say there's a problem. 
There's a problem in the church. What was the problem in the church? There was division in the church. All right, so just real quickly, chapter 2, verses 2 and 3. Uh, he says, fulfill my joy and get like-minded. Having the same love, being of one accord and being of one mind. And consider others more important than yourselves. There's a little problem with that in the church. If you look at chapter 3, verse 2, we got into this a few weeks ago. Beware of the, what? Beware of the, the canines. I, I don't like, you know, I, I'm, a, I'm a dog lover myself. But what he was saying was, beware of certain people that are imposing other rules and regulations on you that don't belong on you. And then in verse number 18, where we just read, many walk, and we could say many walk among you, whom I've told you often, I even tell you weeping, that they are enemies of the cross. Now that's a sobering thought, that there are some people walking among you that are enemies of the cross. And so he's talking about the Judaizers. And we'll get into that in just a minute. So verses 17 through 21, I would say, are instructional verses uh, regarding how to know or how to discern the real versus the fake or the phony Christians. So I want to go through this verse by verse like, like we've been doing. And then I want to give you five questions regarding the topic of citizens of heaven. Are you with me? Verse number 17 starts with the word brethren, just like he did in verse number one. Finally, my brethren. So he's talking about people who are born again, new creations in Christ, people that have come to a place in their life where they've yielded to the lordship of Christ, fellow believers. He says, I, I, brothers, I, I want, and sisters, what he implies here, I want you to join in following my example. That's a strong statement for anyone to make. He's not saying it boastfully. In fact, if you read verse 17, he, he, he includes other people in it as well. Not just me, but uh, follow those, those of us that are walking the right way. Uh, so you have a pattern to follow. And this is a theme for Paul. In 1 Corinthians 4, he said, um, I urge you to imitate me. In 1, uh, 1 Corinthians 11, he said, imitate me as I imitate Christ. In 1 Thessalonians 1, 6, he says, you became followers of us. And so here he's saying, uh, brothers, you know, I mean, I'm in jail and I, I can't come see you right now. I'm with Timothy and Epaphroditus. Oh, I said it right that time. Thank you, Lord. I better quit while I'm ahead. Yeah, yeah, thank you. Thank you. I, I studied that. I studied that. But I studied it before and I failed. So I don't know. But he's saying, look, I, I, you know, I'm Paul. Uh, my two brothers are here. And, you know, follow our example. Follow our, our, our doctrine, our, our, our personal disciplines, our priorities. In another passage, Paul said, you know my manner of life. In other words, his life was not just a, like a Sunday morning thing, if you will. But they knew, his, his, they knew his, you know, his personality, his style, his doctrine, the good fruit in his life and so forth. And, and there's a pattern. And then what he's saying to them is, we want you to, to be with us, you know, pray with us, join with us. It led to be a united heart, a united spirit among us. Worship with us. And... Um, so I would, I would make application to that, how grateful we are for our Sunday night uh, live stream prayer. I'm blessed every Sunday night when 25, 30 people get on there, we pray together. I'm just assuming everyone's praying because I can't see you. I wish I could, but you can see me, but I can't see you. But I think it's a great thing to get together to pray and to seek God. Sunday morning, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and so forth. So, okay, so verse 17. So he wants, them to, he wants them to follow. He's setting an example. And in verse number 18, uh, we see a tremendous contrast between people that will follow Paul's example and people who won't. So verse 18, uh, we see a huge divide and a huge contrast within the body of Christ. He says, many walk of whom I've told you often, and I, I tell you even now, I tell you through tears, weeping, that they are enemies of the cross of Christ. 
They're, it's not right. Uh, there's something wrong. They're the Judaizers. They're the chapter three, verse two. They're the dogs that I was referring to before. They, they live according to Jewish laws, but they accepted Christ so-called into their lives, but they try to incorporate the law with grace and it just doesn't work. And in doing so, they've become enemies of the cross as though they're saying the cross is not enough for you. You need to add more to what Jesus did. And so pastoral Paul is weeping over this situation. He's weeping because the souls are lost and because of the damage that they've been doing within the body of Christ, adding requirements to what Jesus had already done on the cross. So in verse number nine, it says that their, their end is destruction. In other words, the end of their lives with unrepentance is hell and, and being separated eternally from God. He says their God is their belly. Now that needs a little explanation. We'll get into that in just a little bit. But their, their God is their belly, what they eat. They eat, drink, and be merry. Their party life. Their glory is in their shameful things that they do. That's where they get their satisfaction in life and what they do wrong or indulging in the flesh. And their mind is set on, uh, on earthly things, their lifestyle of riches and worldliness, the flesh and the lust. There's no spirituality among them, yet they keep the law. So these are the types of people that will get circumcised and will follow the dietary laws and will follow uh, some of the laws that they have and, and just follow the traditions of their faith. And uh, they'll follow the feast and the holidays. They'll be the first ones in the synagogue. But their private lives are a million miles away from where they should be if they were following Christ. So they're following the law and they got the law down, but they're not following Christ. If they were following Christ, they wouldn't be doing what they were doing. And this is what Paul is talking about in the beginning of the chapter. He gave up all of that that he might follow Christ. And you can see how serious of a decision it was on his part to let those things go because those things brought him recognition and accolades in that community. And now he's saying, no, no, I have something that trumps all of that. It's the cross of Jesus Christ. And if you try to put them both together, you're demeaning the cross. And Paul is weeping over this. He's sad. He's burdened by all of this. And so they're living in a religious world and they're living in a sinner's world. And then he says in verse 20, in contrast, our citizenship, as in, you know, chapters, uh, verse 17 and verse 1, the brothers and sisters, the real brothers and sisters, our citizenship, it's not here. It's not obeying the law of, you know, the law of Moses. Our citizenship, and that word, some of your translations I found out may say uh, our conversation. But what it really means is our homeland, our, our people group, our, the place where we belong. Um, there's there's a, a connotation here of government, administration, of order, of how to do things. But our citizenship um, our place is not even here. Now, how's that for doctrine for you? Uh, where, do you where do you live, Pastor? 980 Main Street. No, not really. I live in glory. My, my real address is in glory. I just live over there temporarily. That's my place here on earth. But my real place is in glory on the other side. It's a, it's a tough concept, but the Word of God in Ephesians 2, 6, it says, He has raised us up together and made us sit in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. It's something like we don't really grasp that until we really think about it and have the Spirit of God bring truth to our spirit. So when we come to know Christ, when we're in Christ, something happens within us and we, we know that we know that we know this is all temporary. And this is one of the things that has been near to my heart for a long time. And I'm not sure why it has been other than maybe in, in your lives too, some of you. You've been around death a lot. I, I haven't been around death a whole lot, but I have been around death since I was a little boy. People close to me died and I was always thinking about death. 
And I always thought, well, there's got to be something more than this because what happens on the other side? But now that I'm a Christian, I realize there's a whole lot more on the other side. So anyway, so verse verse 20, our citizenship is in heaven. But but before we go any deeper, when you look at verses 18 and 19 and 20, it makes you think, what's going on in the body of Christ? I mean, I used to think that the body of Christ was like, you know, perfecto. That lasted about a year. And then I realized I wasn't perfect. So what am I doing there? (laughs) Uh, But... uh, you know, we're all a work in progress. But this is, this is like beyond the work in progress. This is like someone coming in with a different agenda and trying to change the doctrine of the church. Like, that's not enough? I don't think so. No one's going to change that doctrine. You could change the doctrine of maybe what kind of songs you sing, hymns or choruses, or contemporary or traditional, well, whatever. That's not an essential. You can't change that. You can't change the cross. And that's what they were trying to do. But it makes me think that within the body of Christ, and the body of Christ is humongous, there are so many different thoughts running around. What do we do? I'm telling you, we, we have to stay here. We have to stay in the word of God for our doctrine. And, 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 and by the way, we had a, yeah, go ahead. <clears throat> We had a great uh, membership class on Thursday. Those of you that were there, you, you remember. We had a great discussion. <laughs> we had a great, lively discussion. But, you know, the Word of God is very powerful. And what we're trying to do is be clear on how we understand the Word of God. We're, not trying, to, we're, we're trying to bring clear. You know what I did on, on Thursday night? I borrowed a dollar bill from Bill Larios. <laughs> I said, everyone, look at this dollar bill. You see how this looks? You know, you look at it. I haven't looked at a dollar bill in a long time. But I said, the thing is, we've got to know what the real thing says. So that when we hear the counterfeit, we'll say, that's not right. That's what people do when they look for counterfeit money. They know the real so they can compare the false to the real. We need to know the truth of God's word. And what they're saying here is not truth. And apparently the people in Philippi didn't really understand that. They might have been thinking, well, maybe we can live under the law and serve Christ too. But Paul just got through saying, man, I gave up everything in that whole realm to follow Jesus. Don't tell me that you can follow the law and follow Christ too. It doesn't work that way. So we'll make application of this for us in just a second. But Okay, so our residence is not here our residence is in heaven. Hallelujah. We have a reservation made there. And I want to just say that this is a doctrine of the church. That our, our, our real residence is not where you live physically. Our real residence is in glory on the other side. When you came to Christ, you made a reservation. You got a house. Well, you have a place up there. I heard a sermon on that one time that I won't go into right now. But anyway... So the word of God tells us that we are saved, what? Through grace, by grace, through our faith in the Lord, not of our works. We can't add anything to it. And when we get into that realm of salvation, listen to this. The word of God says in Romans chapter 8, we groan within ourselves waiting for the adoption, waiting for the redemption of the body. Anyone been there lately? I have been there. I've been groaning lately. This old body is not holding up too well after all this time. But anyway, there's something within me groaning for more, for the adoption to happen, for my real place to get on the other side. Hebrews 12, 22 to 23 says, we are registered in heaven, flat out. We've been registered in heaven. Our names are written down. It's like going to a hotel and asking for the reservation or a restaurant. They ask for your name. You give them your name and they find your place. We get to the other side. Our name is written down, registered in heaven. 1 Peter 2.11 tells us very clearly. I love this because I love the concept of a pilgrim or a sojourner. Someone just marching through, walking through this life. Peter says we're sojourning through this life as pilgrims. We're just temporarily walking through this life. But our citizenship is really in heaven. 
So verse 20, our citizenship is in heaven. Where, what is heaven? Heaven is the place where God dwells. And I love the idea that we learn in the scriptures that we've been reconciled by the blood of Jesus Christ. We're one with God now. But one day we will really be one with God. It's just like we're born again now, but over there on the other side, all things will be made new. No more sickness, hallelujah. No more tears or crying. So there's a double meaning in many of these things. We're born again, but we will truly be born again on the other side. Hallelujah. John 14, 2 and 3 says, Jesus said, I'm going away to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, you can rest assured I'm coming back for you. That where I am, there you may be also. And so we're waiting for that to happen. But let's see, Romans 8, 17 says, The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, we are heirs of God, joint heirs with Christ. I want to just let that sink in. Um, Colossians, another scripture here, Colossians 3 It says, let me read this, Colossians 3. If you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above where Christ is, sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on things on the earth, for you died. Good word for you today. You died. If you belong to Jesus, you died. If you're creeping up again, die again. Whatever, just make sure you're dead. (laughs) You died And your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Now, we're talking about some supernatural stuff here. But this is the deep theology of the New Testament church. Hallelujah. So I I like this. We eagerly await the return of our Savior. Verse 20. Our citizenship is in heaven, from which we also eagerly wait for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. From our position in a heavenly place where we understand that Jesus is coming back again. I like the concept that Jesus came to save us. And he did that. But he's coming back to rescue us, to rapture us, to take us out of here, to be with him for all of eternity. So, so verse 21, who he who will transform our lowly body, that it may be conformed to his glorious body. Theology right here. What do you mean by, what does that mean? Our lowly, this flesh and blood, this flesh and bones will die and whatever, but we, we will be changed like the image of Jesus. Remember when Jesus was resurrected from the grave. It's similar to that. Not exactly, but he appeared for 40 days. He could eat, walk around and do things. People knew who he was, but he was not yet glorified. Our body will be glorified when we get on the other side. So it'll be a little bit different, but similar. So let me, let's talk about this for one second. Okay, I don't want to go too fast here. But it says our, our lowly body will be conformed to his glorious body. Let me give you some scenarios if, if we die first before Jesus comes back, our spirit goes to be with the Lord. 2 Corinthians 5, 8 says, when we're absent from the body, we are present with the Lord. So our body goes into the grave or somewhere. Our spirit goes to be with the Lord. However, now, now if, if that's the case, and a week later the rapture happens... Or whatever, a long time, a short time, doesn't matter. But if the rapture happens after that, then we're coming with the Lord to receive our dead body out of the ground that will be resurrected and glorified as we meet the Lord, as our body meets the Lord in the air with our spirit. That's, that's when the glorified body begins. Now, the other scenario is this. What if we get raptured right now? And everyone says, hallelujah, I hope we do. Because then we're bypassing death altogether. We're going from life to eternal life. Our body and spirit are going to be with the Lord. So he's, he's taking the approach of, of saying, okay, uh, if we die on earth, our spirit's with the Lord, but our body will be resurrected to be with the Lord. And then I like how, how he ends this. 
according to the working by which he is able even to subdue all things to himself. Now, paraphrase that little passage. That's just God's power doing it. He has a plan to do it. And so that's why we, we celebrate so much on Resurrection Sunday. We talk about 1 Corinthians 15 is the great resurrection chapter. But if Christ is not risen, the scripture says we're the most pitiable pe- people of all. If we're still in our sins, if he's not risen. But because he's risen, he's the first fruits of those risen from the dead. And we will follow suit after that, either through death and, and rapture or, or, or resurrection when the rapture happens. So uh, this is deep theology. 1 Thessalonians 4 and 1 Corinthians 15 talk all about how the dead in Christ will rise first and meet their soul, meet their spirit in the air. And we who who remain will be caught up, raptured to be with the Lord forever. This is the, the rapture of the church. So you can say Jesus first came in the first place in Bethlehem to save us. He's coming back again to rescue us from this worldly situation. But don't get confused with the rapture of the church and the second coming of the Lord. Although some people put the two together. But after the rapture of the church will come the the, uh, tribulation seven years. And after that will come the return of the Lord, the second coming of the Lord, when we will be riding with him to execute judgment on the earth. Are you following this? So the rapture, we're taken out of here. But the second coming, we're coming with him back to execute judgment and righteousness on the earth. So this is all that Paul is saying. He's saying, look, maybe they didn't even know what he was talking about. But he's saying, look, you belong to Christ. You have an eternity set up for you. These other people that are adding to the cross, they're never going to make it there unless they change their thinking and their belief system. Christ is enough. And see, when we get that, that is a powerful statement. Christ is enough to see us to eternity. Christ is enough to keep us until eternity. Christ is enough to get us through this life that we may be there for all of eternity. I keep saying, you know, I mean, I, I have some close family members that are with the Lord in heaven. I am so excited about seeing them one day. It's going to be a glorious reunion. I mean, I'm more excited about seeing Jesus, but I I want to see what's on the other side. And Paul addressed that too, if you remember, in the first chapter. He said, "For, for me to leave here, it would be better for me to leave to be with the Lord, but for your sake, I want to stay here. But, you know, he's thinking of eternal thoughts I mean, basically, he knows he's going to trial. He knows probably within a couple of years, something's going to happen one way or the other. Most people think after two years of writing this, he was put to death for his faith. Okay, let me read verse 22 again. Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body, that it may be conformed to his glorious body, according to the working by which he is able even to subdue all things to himself. Wow. So citizens of heaven, I got five questions for you. Ready? Well, it's early. I could take a long time. No, I'm only kidding. But five, you know, five things. If I take five minutes, you know. (laughs) The first question is regarding citizens of heaven. The first question is, are you? Some people never think about it. If you were arrested for your faith, would you have enough evidence compiled against you to prove to the judge and the jury that you were a Christian? Is there enough going on in your life that you'd be convicted for being a Christian? Are you a citizen of heaven? Have you surrendered your will to God's will? Have you given up the struggle between your way and God's way? Look over in chapter 1, verse 30. That, that, that little phrase, we have the same conflict. Are you in the conflict of, uh, you know, you made the decision to follow Christ, but you feel the conflict. 
But have you made the decision, no matter what the conflict is, you're siding with God. You're running with God. You're not going back to the old way because you know the old way is what got you messed up in the first place. Do you realize that you're a sinner? Oh, aren't you glad you came to church today? You're a sinner. I'm a sinner. There's no getting around it. You can't change it. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, says. But do you know you're a sinner and that sin separates you and me from God? It's the only thing that will separate us from, the, from God, sin. But if we repent and ask God to forgive us, he will. He will, and you will be called a brother or a sister in Christ. Take your Bible, turn with me. I'm going to give you 15 seconds. Ready? Romans 10, verse 9. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7. Who's got it? Got it? Romans 10, verses 9 and 10. No, some of you have the, uh, you know, you have the app. I don't know if it's quicker on the app or longer. I, don't think I, I think I do better with the actual book, but anyway. Rome, you, you need to get to know this scripture. Romans 10, verses 9 and 10. If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus. In other words, if you, conf, if you say, Jesus Christ is my Lord, and you, believe, and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. See, the resurrection is so important. You will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Verse number 13, whoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. I just want you to know, if you can, if you can confess, if you could say, that's why it's so important many times, like people will tell you, go tell somebody what happened to you. It, it makes it real in your heart when you basically let the cat out of the bag, you tell someone that you're a Christian, that you believe in Jesus. It solidifies the thing in your heart and in your spirit. James 2, 19, but just be careful. James 2, 19, it says, you believe in God, that's great. You believe in God, that's wonderful. But, you know what he says? Even demons believe and they tremble. So just belief is one thing. But practicing what you believe is really important. So citizen of heaven, are you really a citizen of heaven? Can you say my citizenship is in heaven? I'll give you a hint. It's not based on anything you could do. It's based on your faith and trust in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Here's number two. Second question. That was pretty quick, wasn't it? Are you involved in the body of Christ? See, because if your citizenship is, see, heaven is more or less uh, like a continuation of what's here in the church. You know, it, heaven is like, like a better version, if you could say, of the church. It's like, uh, it's like everything's right in heaven, you know. We have the church here and we're trying to make it, but okay, it is what it is. But over there, and what I'm saying is, if, you want, if you're a citizen over there, you'll get involved over here. I get that from verse 17b, the second part of that. But what Paul is saying is, follow us. Follow the leaders. Get involved. Let's have a relationship. Let's, uh, you know, let's, let's do this together. Let's build each other up and walk through this life together. If our citizenship is in heaven, let's get together now and make our journey over there together. We'll have strength. We'll have an anointing. We'll have more success in doing it together. Learn from others. Uh, learn from those that are going before you. I have another scripture for you. I'm going to give you 10 seconds. 2 Timothy 2. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9. <laughs> 2 Timothy 2, verse 22. I'll give you an extra second to get to verse 22. Boom. This is a great scripture. Flee also youthful lust, but pursue righteousness, faith, love, peace with those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. The emphasis is with those. See, so if, if your citizenship is in heaven... You, you, we have a situation here on earth where we're running this race with people of like faith. 
we're involved with people. And some of you just thought, I don't want to be involved with people. Well, you know what? It comes with the territory of being a Christian. <laughs> Hello? As people say, I, I would be, if it weren't for people, I'd be fine with, with everything. It's people that's my problem. That's the problem. Jesus came to change your heart. <laughs> so, yeah, so, you know, work out all the, run with those of like faith. Those that are pursuing righteousness, faith, love, and peace. Find people like that and run with them. You know, go through life with them. James 5.16, we won't turn to it, I'll just tell you. I'll save you the hassle. James 5.16 says, confess your faults to one another. Right? But then he says, that you may be healed. And, you know, I thought that Jesus healed me. But there's, there's a dynamic in relationship when you talk things out, you confess to people, you expose your heart, you get things out in the open, that you may be healed. God uses people to bring healing to us. So I'm saying, if your citizenship is in heaven, you're involved with the body of Christ. As sometimes dysfunctional as it is, hello, we're still involved with the body of Christ. It's God's best on earth right now. and It's only as good as, as it is because we're in it. People are in it. People are imperfect. Every one of us. So you put them all together. We're all trying, but we all fall short sometime. But this is it right now. This is it. I'll tell you what. I'd rather be in a church that's working it out than in the world where no one's even trying to work it out. Right? All right. So a citizen of heaven gets involved in the body of Christ with the body of Christ now. Just as in the body of Christ, we, we develop as a person, as a Christian, as a student of the word. We're accountable. We find our purpose. We, we're protected. We have people loving us and praying for us. And uh, our, our damaged psyche, our damaged brain, our damaged emotions get healed within the body of Christ if we allow that dynamic to happen. Okay, here's number three. Citizens of heaven. Are you trying to earn your way to heaven? Verse number, verses 18 and 19, the Judaizers. But he says, many, many among the church, are, they think they're one of us, but they're really enemies of the cross. I would call this, these carnal Christians. Carnal meaning fleshly or worldly Christians. It's an oxymoron. You can't be a carnal Christian. But there is a phrase that, well, I accepted Christ and I live the way I want. It's like it's impossible to do, but people do it. But in the bottom line, when, when the end comes, there'll be a great separation. So the Judaizers, who he's talking about, they kept the law. I mentioned it before. Uh, but they also accepted Jesus. So what this relates to for us at verses 18 and 19, their God is their belly. Well, for some Christian people, who, who have gone through all the religious things like water baptism and maybe a Christian marriage even or maybe uh, a baby dedication. They go to church, they, they partake of communion. But even, even with all of those external things that they do, their, their God, in verse number 19, their, their God is not Jesus Christ. Their God is their belly, meaning their God is the party. Their God is the excitement in life. It's not uh, sacrificing your life and, and pulling back. It's getting involved deeper in the things of the world. Their God is not the God that we know. But they carry the name of a Christian. Isn't that what's wrong with a lot of uh, churches and Christian people? Oh, I, I'm a, everyone says, I'm a Christian. I only know one guy who told me his uncle died. I said, oh, I'm sorry to hear that. He goes, yeah, he wasn't a Christian. It's the first time I ever heard anyone say that. I said, he wasn't? No, he was a despicable praise in hell right now. I said, oh, man. I said, maybe God will have a little mercy. He said, no, forget it. He's, he's, he's done. But then whenever anybody dies, everyone says they went to heaven. I don't know if they all went to heaven or not. I've done a million funerals. I don't know if they're in heaven or not. I, I hope. I, I, you know. But... Uh, People who do all the Christian things doesn't necessarily mean they're saved. So verse 19, their, their, glory, their glory is not the Holy Spirit coming on you. Their glory is things that are shameful. How much they could get away with 
without getting caught or whatever. Their glory is doing things that are bad. That's how glory. Our, our glory is the Holy Spirit. Our glory is worshiping God and sensing the presence of God on our lives. Their mind, it says, verse 19, following that example, they set their mind on earthly things. Their mind is not renewed as in Romans 12 too. Some Christians, so-called, their, their mind is just the way it always was. There's no effort to change or to develop as a person. And so they're reprobate, they're corrupt. And so the carnal Christian may do all those religious things I mentioned, but, but, uh, but God, is, God is somewhere in the distance. And uh, the glory of God is not the Holy Spirit. It's not even part of the equation. Their mind is not renewed, restored, refreshed, as in Colossians chapter 3. So, but see, this is the thing. The, the point was, are you trying to earn your way into heaven? But I was baptized. But I took communion last week. But I, I read the Bible, or I did this. Where's your heart? Where's your heart? It's good you do all I'm not saying don't do those things. Those things in and of themselves will not get us to the other side. And that's what we're talking about. There's only one ticket to the other side, and that's a surrendered life covered by the blood of Jesus Christ. So if you're, if you're a citizen of heaven, you realize you, you need to do good. You know, you need to do good works, but those good works will never, ever save you. Our faith is in the cross. Our faith is in the empty tomb. Our faith is in the work of the Holy Spirit, not in our good works. Okay, here's number four. If you're a citizen of heaven, are you waiting for Jesus? Is it part of your mindset? Do you think he could maybe come this week? Are you living your life with the expectation that, yeah, I think he will. That will be great motivation to put things in order. Okay, I'm going to give you another scripture to look up. I'm going to give you eight seconds. <laughs> Titus. I'll give you ten. That's a hard one. Titus. Chapter two. One Timothy, two Timothy, Titus. Three T's. Titus two. Verse 11. Got it? Oh, okay. Uh, Titus 2.11. The grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. Hallelujah. Teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in the present age, looking for the blessed hope and glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Are you looking for his return? Are you waiting for Jesus? That verse 20, Philippians 3, 20. Our citizenship is in heaven, from which we also eagerly await for the Savior, the Lord Jesus. So in waiting for the Lord, Titus 2, we are denying ungodliness, denying worldly lust, living soberly. It's a great word in the Bible, soberly. Everyone say soberly. soberly. You know what it means? It means clear thinking. And uh, I don't want to get into an argument about this, but people tell me that they smoke pot and they're Christians and everything's cool. Uh, there's some religious sect that uses marijuana as like communion. I say, you know what? Uh, my Bible says soberly. I don't care what you call it. But when you're not clear minded, whatever you use, you, you, you can't. In other words, isn't the blood of Christ enough to straighten us out? You know, and I know for some people, maybe there's an addiction or maybe there's a medical thing. I'm, I'm, I'm not, you know, I'm talking about medical reasons. I'm just saying for recreation, you know, we have to live a sober. One of the greatest testimonies we could ever say to people is, I don't get high and I don't get drunk. I don't do certain things anymore. This is my testimony. Those things are dropping off of me. Why? Because he may come back this afternoon. I don't want to be over there when he comes back. That's one motivation. I want to be ready. I want to be ready for him. So 1 Corinthians 15, 58. Great passage about the, about the uh, 
the rapture. But he says, therefore, be steadfast, uh, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain. You know why he says that? Because as we're waiting for the Lord, we get tired and weary. We get like, oh man, another day, another drudgery. I have to go to work or whatever. I have to pay my bills and do all the stuff that I have to do. I have to get stuck in this wonderful New England traffic every time I go anywhere. You know, a 10-minute ride takes a half an hour, for goodness sakes. Hello? But be steadfast, immovable, always abounding. But Lord, I don't feel like it today. Always abounding. But Lord, knowing, knowing, knowing that your labor, everyone thinks, you know, sometimes serving the Lord is a piece of cake. It's called a labor. It's called work. It's called doing stuff that you may not want to do, but you know it's the right thing to do, so you do it. You do the work, knowing that your work is not in vain in the Lord. He sees what we're doing. He sees the conflict. He sees the battle. He sees the struggle. But are you waiting for the Lord? Are you doing things with the thought that, you know what? Jesus is coming back. I can remember the first couple of years Pamela and I were saved. We met these guys from Team Challenge. This guy, one brother, Jerry. He was was telling me all about this. And I didn't know. (laughs) He said, yeah, he's coming back. He could be this year. I said, How? I said, really? He goes, yeah, he's coming back. You have to live like he could come back at any time. And I kept that in my heart. That's in my heart even now. He could come back, at, especially now he could come back. Every year that goes by, it's like we're one year closer to the return. I don't want to get into it, but the world is just really difficult right now. There's so many things on a global scale, from weather to politi- uh, politics to, uh, to famines and earthquakes, everything's going on. It would be a perfect time for Jesus to come back. Lord, could you listen to me? I- Lord, come back now. <laughs> well, he has a plan, but the scriptures say he doesn't even know, only the Father knows, right? So, but I think we could say, like John said, Lord, come quickly. We could pray that. Lord, come quickly. Lord, come right now. Get us out of here. But he has his reasons, you know. But are you living in the, with the idea that Jesus is coming back? If your citizenship is in heaven, we more or less can't wait to get there. And so we have to live accordingly that when he comes, we're out of here. Number five is this. I'll I'll repeat these in just a second. But number five is this. Verse 21. Are you ready for transformation? (laughs) My body is ready for transformation. Let me tell you. You know, when you're 20, you think you can do everything. 30, 40, 50, 60, 70. Looking for 80. Am I going to make it? And my mom's 96. And uh, she's ready for transformation, but she is 96. Scripture tells us, 1 Thessalonians 4, we will be changed. 1 Corinthians 15 tells us uh, this, this corruptible will put on incorruption. You know, this, 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 this bag of bones, this bag of flesh is going to change. Are you ready for the transformation? I mean, in the meantime, I will say this. It's important to take care of your body. Take care of your health the best you can. But uh, know that one day, all of this will be history. And we will have a glorified body with the Lord. I'm look, so looking forward to that. Let me, let me go. Let, one more passage. Turn with me. John chapter 14. 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Who's got it? <laughs> Some of you got it. Listen to this. 1, verse 1. Let not your heart be troubled. Hallelujah. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself. That where I am, 
there you may be also. And where you go, you know. Where I go, you know. And the way, you know. Of course, one of the disciples said, no, we don't know the way. We don't know what you're talking about. In that setting, Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one gets to the Father but through me. So going back to question number one, are you, are, is your citizenship in heaven? Is Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior? If so, you're, you've got to be ready for the transformation. It's the only way we're going to get to the other side. So let me give you these five questions, and you could ponder them. Number one, citizens of heaven. Number one, are you one? Verse 17. Number two, are you involved in the body of Christ? Verse 17b. Number three, are you trying to earn your way to heaven? Like the Judaizers, verses 18 and 19. Number four, are you waiting for Jesus? Verse 20. Verse five, I mean, number five. Are you, are you ready for the transformation? Verse 21. I know I said this before, but it's worth sharing again. Uh, having been brought up Catholic, I'd go to church Sometimes I go at night. They had a Sunday night mass. And uh, although I don't know if this was a night or a morning, but that doesn't matter. But anyway, during the mass, they say this one thing. And I must have said it, you know, thousands of times. I was probably in my early 20s. I wasn't born again. I was kind of searching. But everyone says, Christ has died. Christ is risen. Christ will come again. All right. I must have said it thousands of times before. This one time, I remember standing there saying, I get the fact that Christ died. I get the fact that Christ arose. I don't get the fact that he's coming back again. I did not get that. And it wasn't until I started, you know, years later, when I started studying the Bible, when I realized this, second com- this rapture and second coming is a huge doctrine of the church. But if we're born again... If we're serving the Lord, we have a place reserved in glory. He's coming back for us. Are you ready, church? Are you ready? As the old song says, people get ready. There's a train coming. You don't need no baggage. You just get on board. So get ready. (laughs) That's all I know. (laughs) Let's stand together, can we? Citizens of heaven. That may come in handy sometime when you're somewhere and someone asks you what your address is. You can just say, well, my my address is in heaven, but I'll give you my temporary address here on the earth. You know, that's a good way to have a conversation. They'll look at you like you're crazy, but that's okay. (laughs) Every head bowed for just un momento. Who is not a citizen of heaven and would like to be? Raise your hand if that's you. (laughs) You're good, brother. You're good. Anyone? All right, Crystal. I think you're okay, but we'll pray for you. Um, How many of you, no one looking around, sense the importance of getting involved with the body of Christ? Yeah, being a part of it. Get on those live streams. Get on those Bible studies. Get to know people. All right, good. How many of you have figured out that all the things that we do won't save us. Only the blood of Christ will save us. Yeah, amen. How many of you are going to be really waiting for Jesus? I mean, you know, Jesus, is it today? And I know the answer to this one. How many of you are ready for transformation? That's all of us. We're ready to be transformed. Okay, I'm going to pray. Father God, thank you for this word today. Thank you for uh, Philippians Thank you for Philippians 3. Thank you for the insights that Paul gives us and uh, the meaning that it has for us. Father, I pray that, um, that we would all truly be citizens of heaven. And, and for those hands that went up, uh, Lord, I believe those are some just uh, reassurance hands. Uh, thank you for that. But Lord, let us all have a confidence like Paul. Let us, let us, let him be, let us be confident that we're going the right way. We're not perfect, but we're going in the right direction. So we pray, Lord, that our citizenship in glory would affect our, our place and our citizenship here on earth. Let us be lights. Let us be salt 
in this dark and wicked world in which we live, especially in this area of the country, let our light shine brightly. Lord, we, we probably all know many people that are far away from you, from our families to our co-workers and friends that we grew up with. There are hundreds of people that don't know you. Let our light shine on them. Let them become curious about the things of God because of their involvement with us. And so, Lord, as we close this up today, may your blessing be on the church. May your blessing be upon all those beautiful kids downstairs, their families. Let us have a good day and bless our prayer meeting tonight at six o'clock. Lord, let us be good representatives of our, of our home and glory as citizens of heaven here on earth. And this we pray in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. All right. I'm going to go, I'm going to listen to this. I'm going to go stand by the door to say goodbye to some people. Here I go. (laughs) 